Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. And oh, we are here and guess what? It is almost that time of year where the NFL draft comes around. And because of that, I'm bringing on uh, a man I'm going to bestow a title upon right now. Trey, please help me in welcoming, and I'll need some applause here. Trey, please help me in welcoming uh, the End Zone Pods senior draft analyst, Ryan Kearney. Woo! Wow. Yeah. wow I, I love this. Welcome, well, well, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Ryan. You're going to be our guy for all things draft this year, I think. Hey, that sounds good to me, Eric. Always love coming on the show. It was fun to do it a couple times this year with Donnie, of course, my co host on the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Had to get my plug in early. But no, super excited to be back. Love talking draft. I really kind of grinded. A lot of my draft research right around like the new year, like right around Christmas time, like right when the regular season ends for college football, I just actually go off, you know, as much ball as I possibly can to get a familiar look at some of these guys before some of the all-star games, like this senior bowl that uh, has recently passed and obviously with the combine coming up. So always looking forward to getting into it and uh, talking about some of the guys who are going to get picked here early on in, uh, in the NFL draft this year. Awesome. Yeah, the NFL Combine is this week. Always a big week for NFL news and notes, it seems. There's those. Uh, I, I'm a nerd. I, I like the press conferences the best. I find those to be highly entertaining. I like to watch the new coaches. I like to watch GMs that I think are kind of on the hot seat and see how they answer things. And, you know, kind of gives you a little bit of a hint about how offseason is going to go sometimes. So, uh, excited for the combine this week. Before we get going, Trey, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, like you said, and I love hearing what GMs and different sorts of personal guys say at the combine. Well, at the combine, uh, because usually, and this is usually, a lot of the comments that these personal guys uh, give off, they give us a tell of how their individual off seasons are going to go. So, a lot of teams around the league are in for some pretty interesting off seasons. Uh, so it'll, it'll be good to maybe get a little bit of a tell on how their offseason is going to go and maybe what moves we can expect and see what prospects they're looking out for at the Combine. So uh, it should be fun. Indeed. Yeah, so Trey, I know I put a bunch of questions in Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions at all, just uh, type in the chat or whatever when you want to jump in and I'll throw to you and we can – uh, get some of your questions in as well and yeah we're, we're just going to knock out some some brief stuff about this draft class but before we did this last time we were on this podcast Ryan me and Trey went through the three teams we were most excited to track this offseason and I wanted to ask you the same question but maybe a little bit different, like from a draft perspective, what teams are you most excited about tracking like some of their team needs? It could be a team with a lot of draft capital or a little draft capital or teams that need to draft really well. Do you think like who, who are the three teams that just intrigue you the most this off season? Yeah, for sure. That's always an interesting one to get into. I mean, I'll start with the bias answer. Of course, Mark's 
Philadelphia Eagles, definitely a team I always have my eye on getting into off-season mode, but especially this year, this is an off-season where the Eagles are starting to gather a little bit more salary cap flexibility that they have been without the last couple of off-seasons, and as well, they have three first-round picks, so that is obviously thing to keep your eye on of they'll be able to do this offseason so that's definitely one team I'm looking forward to following uh similar to that in the same division I think the Dallas Cowboys are another team I'm very interested in following this offseason uh you know obviously a team in the same division as the Eagles but I could have picked a team say like the Giants on in the first round but for me Dallas is the team that I see as the most legitimate threat um, you know, coming out of the NFC East going into next year, uh, the NFC is going to have a little bit more kind of change and turmoil uh, this offseason. You know, when you think about Tom Brady leaving Tampa Bay, uh, you know, the Rams, obviously, they're still hot and the NFC is strong. Uh, uncertainty with what's going to unfold in Green Bay. So I think the NFC, um, as I kind of look at it as a whole, I'm, I'm very interested to see if the NFC East can take any sort of step up. They've been without that the last couple of years. It has been kind of a laughing stock that division, but I think how Dallas approaches this off season as a team that, you know, came up short in the, season, but um, see gathering a lot of talent just to follow them. Last team of the three teams I'm looking forward to tracking in the off season, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. They came up just short. I, I really didn't have any expectations or thoughts they could get that close. It seemed like to me their offensive line was holding them back. They got way further than I expected, but eventually we did see that come up again like in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Can the Bengals address offseason and can, or address offensive line this season? Continue while they still have Joe Burrow on rookie contract. That's something I'm very interested to see if they can build on last season and uh, bolster up that O line again this offseason. Yeah, definitely. Those are all good teams to kind of be thinking about and be keeping an eye on throughout the offseason. Um, as I realize that suddenly this is, you know, the setup I had is is not going to work as far as my desktop view here. Um, uh, but my next question for you is this, this draft class, and you answered this on your podcast uh, another week uh, from, cause you guys take questions and I asked this, but I just wanted to ask you again here, like, how do you view this draft class? Because sometimes we go in and we hear, Oh, this draft class has like a ton of game changing prospects that are going to jump in immediately. And sometimes it's a little bit more like, developmental or people are just like flat out it's not that good because there are like the talent levels just not there this year how do you feel the draft steps up talent wise this year as maybe compared to last year yeah I think to me the big difference in this year's draft class compared to last year is position I think that a lot of times uh, you know when you evaluate a draft class you know, it's something you look at the quarterback position, you mentioned talking about it on our podcast. That was something that Donnie brought up that I thought was a really good point. Like, you know, if, if there's a weaker quarterback class, a lot of times people just look at that. They don't look at any other position up oh, last year's quarterback class was stacked five first round, you know, picks in the, uh, in the first round at that position this year, not nearly as strong, even though we may still get a couple. So I think that that's definitely a position that I look at. I think 
there's still value there. Like you look at the the defensive linemen, you look at the defensive backs. I think this is the best cornerback class that I can remember scouting. Um, you know, in the couple of years that I've been doing it now, um, really just as a hobby, but something that I enjoy for sure. We're a really deep corner class, so I think it's just kind of there's value in other positions that maybe kind of the you know average person that doesn't watch a ton of college football but follows um, you know the pro game very closely. Like oh, not as good of a quarterback class. You know, the draft's a little bit of a really value the other positions and um you know i i think that it's fair to say that it's maybe not as deep or as top heavy as some previous classes but um i still think that there's a really you know great bunch and, and group uh you know of, of guys you can pick you just got to go out there and find them so um that's kind of how i view it just at certain not a specific order but still a lot of value at some other positions especially on the defensive side yeah. Uh, okay. Now we can, I feel like, jump into a little bit more um, specifics. I wanted to talk about the edge class really quickly here. Um, and, uh, and, and just what that kind of looks like. Now, for some reason, Pro Football Network does not define edge as edge. It defines it as defensive end which is fine most of these guys look like they were guys I was looking at but um, to me I feel like the edge class is pretty strong I wanted to run down kind of my top six guys and for this I actually think I'm going to go to my Twitter just because I think my list is more complete than the websites but um, Aiden Hutchinson I guess I want to just start there. Can you just kind of describe him as a prospect to me? It seems like he's kind of the consensus number one overall guy in this class. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely watched a ton of Hutchinson this year, obviously being a player in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I went to school at Iowa, follow their program very closely in Michigan, uh, defeated Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game this year. So watched a ton of Hutchinson this year. And uh, I think what's really interesting about Hutchinson, it, you know, going back to kind of his story, he had a really strong sophomore year at Michigan two years ago. And then last year as a junior got injured, you know, it was a weird shortened year anyways, only played uh, about two games, I believe, but uh, ended up getting injured last year, comes back here this year, senior year, Michigan has the best under Jim Harbaugh. And, Hutchinson was really kind of the defensive leader on that team the entire way through. Absolutely a dominant force. I really liked his variety of pass rush. Um, you know, options can win around the edge with speed, can win with power straight through the tackle or even uh, using some moves to get inside uh, as well, including some stunts. So Michigan's defensive line, super fun to watch. Uh, really a lot of athletic players that they like to recruit. And uh, Hutchinson definitely fits into that category. Reminds me of Osa with you I, I think the buses are a little bit stronger prospects when they were coming out of ohio state but in terms of their variety of pass rush moves and uh, really just technically sound uh pass rushers i think hutchinson is very pro ready and uh definitely going to make an immediate impact for someone next season yeah and we're staying on board really with hutchinson here i there, i mean, you know over the course of you know his senior well his last season at michigan there were there were some concerns about aiden hutchinson uh, ability to somewhat generate power, you know, as a pass rusher uh, when he's not using a two-point stance, maybe coming out of a wide nine alignment. Is that anything that you – or is that something you've seen uh, as well? Or are there really just, you know, the concerns about maybe his ability to generate power as a pass rusher a little bit maybe overblown? 
good comment on that. That's definitely something I noticed watching Michigan. There's a lot of the situations where he's a stand-up edge rusher on the outside, uh, as you're saying in the two-point stance, which you know some teams may look at and say, "Well, is he a is he a three-four outside linebacker?" To me, he's definitely a pass rusher and a defensive lineman. So um, I don't necessarily view that as uh, because he's as well i think that was something that always stood out to me in his game you know playing the big 10 you face the run quite a bit so uh that was something that really stood out for hutchinson as well as his ability to you know come through in big moments big games the ohio state game he had three sacks so um really just a big time player and um generates a ton of power and in, in, in the, some of the clips that i've seen uh, i remember in the big 10 championship game he absolutely bowled over one of the uh iowa tackles so um he's just a very impressive player overall so i wouldn't have too much concerns about his limited ability uh, um, you know, getting down in the dirt, uh, even though Michigan had, does have him a lot as a stand-up edge. Yeah, the uh, other guy at the top of the edge class that gets a, a lot of hype is Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Let me just say this as a guy that watches a lot of Pac-12 football. I think Thibodeau, you know, there are injury concerns there. Um, he spent a, a significant amount of time this year dealing with an ankle but when he's healthy, he sort of like reminds me of someone akin to like Miles Garrett, just insanely strong, um, really big, tall prospect that's going to come off the edge and kind of terrorize quarterbacks. I, I don't really understand. I feel like I've seen a lot of people – kind of jump in and be like oh I don't really think he's that good or they say oh I don't think he's going in the top 10 or something like or, or this that and the other thing why is draft Twitter kind of seemingly down on Kayvon Thibodeau right now do you think and do you think the combine has a chance to change that yeah, that's a that's a good observation because I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts that has Thibodeau more towards the bottom of the top 10 when uh, I'm in agreement with you in terms of his ability as definitely a top five player in the class overall. And maybe it's just a little bit of an overreaction, you know, people just saying, well, you know, he, he's kind of we're kind of just banking on the, the high upside, crazy athlete, crazy speed, ability to get around the edge. But is he as much of a complete player as we were necessarily hoping on tape? I think that it's fair to kind of question that. But the upside to me is still there with Thibodeau. I, I think the whole time I've, I've been evaluating him, like the thing that just kind of screams to me with Tavon Thibodeau is, man, this guy feels like a Houston Texan. Just kind of thinking back to when they had Mario Williams as the first pick in the history of their franchise, just an incredibly athletic player on the defensive side of the ball that, uh, you know, maybe is the necessarily like the most technically sound, uh, you know, finesse pass rusher. No, but crazy athletic ability and, and can really kind of disrupt things uh, on the defensive side of the ball so I don't necessarily think Thibodeau falls outside of the top five I think the upside is going to be there and uh, a team is going to recognize that when we're actually on draft day um, but yeah I, I think that is it is definitely a little surprising for me to have observed the same thing that you did Eric and that Thibodeau may be falling a little bit uh, at least in terms of some of the you know kind of consensus that you see on Twitter. Aside from the I guess you could say questions about him being a complete football player I've also seen some things where some uh, scouts have maybe questioned his ability to give a consistent effort. Um, I don't know if that's something, you know, you, you or maybe somebody else has seen watching this tape because, I, you know, I'm not really a good judge of somebody just giving a good effort time and time again, uh, rep after rep on the football field. So is, is his effort level, you know, his consistency, you know, in terms of effort, is that a concern? Because, I mean, 
you know, it, it, it's it's hard to sort of judge that sometimes, at least, right? Yeah, that's also a, a good thing you brought up there and also something that, you know, I see on tape, I can understand why some people think it. I think for me, I uh, you know, understood it when I think about it. If there's some reps where you'll see maybe the play goes to the other side of Kayvon Thibodeau and, um, you know, say he's kind of like the cutback defender and, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, a, a low likelihood play that, that he'll be involved in it, for example. And, you know, he's kind of just walking through it, getting through the motions. I think that was something that I observed. Um, you know, in, in situations where the play wasn't necessarily to him or maybe he's double team, whatever the situation is, you don't necessarily see the high motor every single play, you know, 60 minutes, but he made big play when they matter, you know, like the big third downs, he's coming around the edge, he's getting a sack, you know, the, the big Pac-12 championship games, you're seeing Kayvon Thibodeau, big number five, you know, he's disrupting things. So, yeah, I, I think that with some players, you kind of have like, you know, well, you know, maybe he's not giving 100% here, but, you know, with this kind of player, you know, matter. to me, it was something that, yeah, I, I understand why some people observed it. And I think it is a good thing that you brought up, but isn't necessarily something that turns me off with Thibodeau as a prospect. So the next guy I have, the guy I think is the third best is this George Karloff, this guy. I I've been reading like why people are down on him. It's like, he doesn't have like the typical length that an edge rusher would have, but I I've watched some of his film on Saturday morning and this dude's really good. I mean, he, he he's super powerful and turns kind of this speed into power. Like he just punches guys basically off of him and rolls into the backfield. And the other thing I was super impressed by is like, I think between him, Hutchinson, and Thibodeau, he's by far, like, the best run defender. Like, he can fill in the gaps. He sets the edge really well. Um, what do you think about Karloftis? Because I, I think that he is a guy that's maybe in mock drafts. I haven't seen a lot of where people are putting him, but I, I would maybe look at him, especially as a Denver Broncos fan who they're in need of a, an edge rusher there at nine. They need someone that can kind of play inside as well. Like, I feel like to me, Karloftis would be a perfect pick for the Broncos. I think that he's like a really good, solid defensive edge player still. Yeah. A lot to like with Karloftis. You pointed it out. You know, he is a little bit bigger uh, in terms of his weight than say Thibodeau and Hutchinson. Um, so that helps in terms of his run defensive ability, another big 10 player, another player who faces the run a lot. You mentioned it definitely something he does very well. A lot of tackles for losses and uh, run stuffs that he makes very early on. And he, I, you know, I think that with him, you don't necessarily see the crazy athlete. He's not cave on Thibodeau in terms of, you know, as you said, his length or he doesn't just look like, Oh, this guy is some athletic freak, but Carl is a good move. He's, you know, he can run, he can get on the edge. Um, he's got a ton of strength, as you mentioned, uh, you know, being able to win with his power and uh, again, as his ability in the run game. So I really like Karloftis. I think if he does, you know, fall quote unquote, to say the mid to late first round pick uh, range, he's going to be a really good find for someone. Also the player that I have ranked third in this edge class. So uh, we have that seeing the same on that, Eric, but really good player overall. And when you watch Purdue, I mean, he always sticks out. And I think kind of the easy comp is a guy like uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who played a long time for the Washington football team, uh, you know, just because it was a Purdue ed rusher. That doesn't happen a ton. But um, I think Carl Loftus is an outstanding player and is definitely going to be, um, you know, a pro for a long time in the NFL. Yeah. Last sort of uh, 
Well, my last sort of uh, contribution for the edge rusher topic, there was one, um, another edge rusher that's coming out of Michigan, uh, David Ojabo. I, I keep getting this name yeah. time and time again, but um, sometimes, you know, in the hype of Aiden Hunderson, his play and his upside as a prospect seems to get lost in the fold. So what are your overall thoughts about Ojabo and uh, what, are, what are some traits that you see for him that can help him translate into the NFL early as a pass rusher? Yeah, really good point. And definitely agree that he sticks out a ton when you watch Michigan. The fact that they had Ojabo and Hutchinson on the edges, uh, scary. That's a, there's a big reason why they won the Big Ten uh, right there because they had two of the best in all football. Uh, for Ojabo, for me, well, he, he didn't play a ton. Uh, you know, before this past year, he, he really was a, was a one-year starter at Michigan, you know, got some reps. Sometimes they were bouncing him inside, uh, you know, earlier on, but uh, a lot of guys have gone through that Michigan program on the D line, uh, Hutchinson included, but recent years were scared. Well, former front. So uh, they've had a lot of talent go through there and Ojabo really kind of breaks out and, and sticks out in terms of his speed ability to get around the edge uh, completed a lot of sacks in terms of just kind of flying around the edge and uh, even forced a good amount of turnovers uh, doing that as well. So definitely a player that pops off. I, I wasn't as in terms of defense. That was something that was kind of concerned for me. And uh, I was run the defense, next level if say? a team would see it at, yeah, his run defense is a little bit uh, a little bit sketchy to me. I disagree, Jabo, but really, you think you like him there? Yeah, I I mean, I don't have like the access to the all twenty two stuff you do, but like from the limited, you know, Eric Jensen YouTube scouting highlight school, like I I thought he was pretty good at stopping the rush and making open field tackles. Maybe not, maybe he isn't great like inside, but like. If a guy gets out on the edge, he's not going to miss tackles in the open field, which I think is a big plus for an edge rusher. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. I think I mostly look at him at, at 250. If, if he can put on a little bit more, I think translating to the NFL. Yeah, he's a little that small. A little bit easier. Yeah. He, but, he, he's um, a little small. Yeah, and, and a lot to like, and as I mentioned, you know, ability to get around the edge, I question a little bit if he can win as much, uh, you know, getting to the inside or uh, with his power. So uh, Ojabo to me, not as clean of a prospect just because he was really only, you know, a big time force last season. Also a year where he had, as mentioned, Hutchinson on the other side and one of the best years Michigan has had. So that always kind of has that in the back of my mind, you know, can Ojabo continue to do it in a situation where maybe not as much is going right around him. So I may be a little bit lower on Ojabo than say the, uh, the consensus that I've seen. I've seen some people even have him quite up in the top 10. Uh, that's a little bit rich for me, but definitely still a player. I have a first-round grade on and uh, a lot of upside for Ojabo um, going to the NFL. Yeah, so Trey's guy is Ojabo. Uh, the guy I watched that I just like kind of fell in love with, it's not like this top guy, uh, Jermaine Johnson the second. Like, if you talk about like the body type, at least of like a traditional edge rusher, like he's, he's got it. Like he's so tall. He's so long. I think he could add a little bit more weight to be completely honest with you, but he's great in run defense. He has like tremendous hands and great speed. Like that's kind of what I'm a sucker for when I watch like edge players play is like, you know, people who've got like good pass rush moves basically and he's got that and he's got this ability to just like get around tackles uh, a thing that kind of concerns me is he did play in the ACC not the best conference not the best like offensive line talent there 
uh, and he's again not like the heaviest set guy from what it looks like to me on tape. So do you think that he could translate? What, what are your general thoughts on him? Because to me, he was my favorite like guy that's not a main like top three character in this edge rushing class. Yeah, I've seen a lot of love for Johnson as well. Um, definitely a, a very productive player in his career. You know, he, uh, you know, has talented a lot of sex. You know, I don't, I'm not too concerned about the talent level. I, I mean, ACC is still, you know, power five, still pretty good. So that doesn't necessarily uh, concern me as much with Johnson. But um, yeah, I think this is a good player. I, I think uh, kind of where I could see Johnson fitting in would be maybe more towards the late part of the first round pick. Um, you know, he, he transferred from Georgia as well before getting to Florida State. Uh, but I that um, he could a little bit, you know, making some of the adjustments, but really kind of came on a little bit. And as I mentioned, was a, was a really productive player. So, um, I could see him being as a, a potential guy to go late first, but, um, I think more likely he'll be a day two pick. Let's take a break. Trey, unfortunately, the reality of human life is that someday we will all pass on. No one wants to think about it. It's an uncomfortable topic but it's important to take care of you and your loved ones when that day comes. That's right, Eric. Fortunately for our listeners, we know of a great guy that can help you set up your wills and trusts. Absolutely, Trey. Our friend Andrew McCullough has you covered. You can find him on Twitter at A-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-105. His DMs are open, and he and the folks at Brindley Sullivan can help you take care of you and your family's estate planning needs. Don't just take our word for it, though. Here is University of Utah star and current draft prospect, Britton Covey, to tell us more. Hey guys, Britton Covey here. As my long time at the University of Utah is coming to a close, it's time for me to start thinking about my future. There's no one I trust more than Andrew McCullough at the firm of Brindley Sullivan for my estate planning needs. Give his office a call to set up a free consultation at 435-673-9220. Andrew's firm is headquartered in St. George, but he spends plenty of time along the Wasatch Front taking care of his needs. So call him and tell him that Britton Covey sent you. More info at trustyourtrust.com. Ryan, the last bit of maybe some things about the edge rusher class, Um, just looking through here. well, just looking through it, um, I'm, you know, aside from Jermaine Johnson and the and the top overall guys, is there any sort of um, guys that maybe you've scouted um, so far that maybe some teams could find some depth maybe in the later round, the mid to later rounds? Yeah, definitely. There is really a guy that kind of stuck out for me, and um, the that was senior this year, which is always something that um, – catches a ton of scouts eyes in terms of okay maybe can we see if a guy sorry who was that there ryan you cut out just a second oh yeah so i'm going with uh d'angelo malone here from uh western kentucky um he was a player who went to the senior bowl this year smaller school guy but um you know performed really well during the practices and during the game as well incredibly productive player um you know was a redshirt senior before he finished up at western kentucky i think he was one who was undersized incredibly um, you know, talented in terms of his speed and ability to get around the edge and was also a big time force in the uh, run game as well. So uh, I think D'Angelo Malone is definitely a, a big time sleeper in the edge class uh, just because he went to a smaller school at Western Kentucky. But um, given the fact that he played so well at the senior bowl and uh, throughout his entire college career, I think there's a lot of upside for him going to the next level. Cool. 
the one other guy I just wanted to quickly ask you about is what do you think about uh, the guy from Georgia? I'm forget Walker, um, Trayvon Walker. I kind of, I kind of, I was not as like impressed with his like pass rush moves or, or whatever, but I get that he's just like freaky strong but what do you think about him i thought he played better inside than he did as like an edge rusher honestly yeah i had the same reaction to you i definitely saw a lot of buzz for walker and so many of the georgia front seven guys i mean they were so loaded last year obviously winning the national championship but i wasn't really that blown away with walker um you know his production was pretty average um which makes a lot of sense obviously georgia is so loaded that um, you know, a lot of different guys are going to be getting an opportunity to get snaps, but um, I wasn't too, too impressed with Walker. I, I think there's a lot of athletic upside. I mean, he's huge. He's 6'5", 275, which um, obviously gives him a nice advantage to, um, you know, get into an NFL locker room next year. Of course, um, I think he'll be drafted in the second or third round day two, but um, not a player that I would necessarily pound the table for. Actually, uh, one of his teammates, Nolan Smith, another one of the Ed rushers there was someone else who kind of caught my eye, uh, another junior georgia here um i had nothing you know against walker as i mentioned I, I expect him to be picked on day two but wasn't necessarily someone who kind of blew me away when watching him cool uh i think we can kind of move on that took up a lot of time i do like that we just focus in on one thing though it feels like we got the edge class really covered i'm just gonna wrap this up by asking you is there any other like edge player or maybe like you could give two or three rapid fire, but you feel like needs to be in this conversation to make it a legitimate kind of full edge preview, because that's basically what this has become. And we'll just wrap it up that way. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a few more guys I'll highlight. Uh, Majay Sanders from Cincinnati. I think he's definitely the next big guy. A lot of high expectations for him this year. Really reminded me of Frank, Frank Clark on the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, did Maje Sanders, just a really, really strong pass rusher, not necessarily as well as the run, but I, mean, I think a lot of teams are like, yeah, I'll take a Frank Clark, so uh, I think Maje Sanders reminded me of him. Uh, a couple other guys I'll mention quickly, Josh Paschal from Kentucky, Ali Gay from LSU, two SEC pass rushers who um, I thought had really strong seasons. Uh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, he gets a lot of love. I'm not necessarily as high on him personally, but uh, I do see him get a lot of attention uh, in mock drafts. Uh, Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma, uh, as well as Perion Winfrey. Uh, I know, you know, Oklahoma has a defensive line, uh, and all of them are, are definitely important guys to, to check out. Uh, last guy I'll mention, uh, a guy who was a five-star recruit, went to Clemson, uh, but necessarily didn't necessarily have the most uh, conventional path there, Xavier Thomas. Uh, you know, he was a player that had such high expectations, was actually bent for a game, but stayed at Clemson. And did transfer away and actually had a pretty strong season this year. Clemson overall was down this year, but it was mostly on the offensive side. Their defense was still extremely dominant, and Xavier Thomas actually had a pretty strong season. So he could be a player that, uh, you know, maybe even available on day three, but has a ton of talent and could really kind of blow up if he continues to impress, uh, improve, and uh, get in the right spot. So Xavier Thomas is definitely a guy to keep your eye on late. But um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Hopefully, uh, uh, you guys enjoyed the breakdown. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, we're going to switch to more combine related questions now, though. But, you know, both Trey and I and Trey, if I'm putting words in your mouth, tell me 
we love wide receiver classes just because like it's fun for us to just be able to YouTube a guy and pretty much Fetz's tape is just YouTube and like see almost immediately like figure out which guys are good which guys we don't like as much like we just love that right Trey I feel like the the wide receiver class is like the definitely like the like when we scout here like them and quarterbacks are like who we have the most like fun looking at online oh well that's yeah for the most part I think I would leave I I at least try to find all 22 of uh skill position guys because I like to get a better view of what they're doing in terms of you know right um, but I'm saying for me because I don't have all 22 film connects (laughs) well yeah that's that's the next best thing man so 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 I don't want to go super in deep because in depth Ryan because I want to have you back on and we'll just do we'll have you on for another show in like two weeks and just do a wide receiver deep dive um but how's this receiver class I just want to ask yeah I think it's pretty strong I I think that the last couple years had loaded receiver classes so um, maybe not necessarily as great, um, but I think that says more about how good it's been the last two years than uh, anything about this one. Still a lot of very strong, talented receivers. I could see uh, between like five and seven first round picks uh, coming out of this position group this year. So um, I think it does have a good depth. Uh, even I think that are going to be uh, falling down a little bit that are going to be really good on day two. Uh, I think a lot of people are already familiar with some of the guys at the top, like uh, the Ohio State duo of Wilson and Olave, Jamison Williams from Alabama, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Drake London from USC. Just running through some of the top guys, but um, since we're not going to in just a couple of two that I think are awesome uh, players that may be falling for um, whatever reasons. I, I think that at the top for me is going to be John Mechie from Alabama, you know, a player who got injured late in the season, tore his ACL, not necessarily as dynamic as a Jamison Williams, but a player who was awesome at Alabama for a couple of years. And we received uh, coming out recently. So if Mechie is available for you in day two, I think he's going to be a really good find. And uh, I'll also mention Eric Azukanma from Texas Tech. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are not necessarily dying to put on the Texas Tech Big 12 film, but Ezukanma is an awesome playmaker, super dynamic. They got him involved in the run game uh, as well. Like super big time, deep play threat, really good contested catch guy and, and a good ability to separate. So he's a fun player to watch as well. Cool. All right, let's get to some combine questions here. Um who's the prospect who needs to do the most at the combine. And that could be like a guy that might be falling down draft boards right now, or a guy that might be like day for early day two, that could go day one. Give me like two or three guys that with big combine performances could really change for draft outcomes. Yeah. I think someone for me that really sticks out is Brees Hall from Iowa state. He's a running back there had an incredibly productive career at Iowa state coming out after his junior year this year was, was incredible for three years, scored a ton of touchdowns. But I think for me, if Brees Hall can show that he has some long speed, say he runs in, you know, the four fours and uh, you know, really kind of impresses some people could kind of fall into, Oh, is Brees Hall worthy of a late first round consideration? I think how Jonathan Taylor played uh, you know, already for the Colts and being so dominant, um, you know, considering he had the speed with the production, I think that was something that helped him out. And, I wonder if there are some pros that uh, or some scouts that see Taylor and see Hall 
being similar with a with a really strong combine. So he's definitely one guy that really stands out to me. Okay. That's uh that's a good one. My next question is this always this time of year. Uh which QB are we going to get it uh tricked by here? Like there's always one quarterback that people are like, especially it, especially when it's a bad quarterback here, like Josh Rosen, for example, or or like EJ Manuel, like who's who's tricking us this year at the combine when there's no cornerbacks against these wide receivers, when there's no pressure in these guys' face, and they're basically just playing catch. Like which quarterback is just going to trick draft Twitter and people and uh, insufferably Broncos Twitter is going to be like, we got to take this guy at nine and then they'll end up just being like nothing. Yeah. It was very funny, Eric. There was an immediate guy that came to mind for me on this and it's Carson strong from Nevada. I I was really never that high on Carson strong and watching him, uh, you know, has a good arm and, you know, can do some things. I think he has good accuracy uh, at a good completion percentage and low interception percentage, but um, is an incredibly limited athlete. I mean, this guy cannot move, uh, took a ton of sacks and <laughs> was just not generating anything. So that screams to me, he's in a situation where he's just a drop back passer in the combine and shorts. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at Carson Strong. He can chuck the ball down the field. He doesn't throw picks, but um, I just ripped that great quarter overall um, in the evaluation that I've had of him. Okay. Sounds good. That makes sense to me as someone who's watched a little bit of Carson Strong and doing Utah State games. Um, finally, just a, a fun question. Maybe I'll just let Trey chime in here, though. Trey, do you have a last combine type question for Ryan? <laughs> I, hey man i'm not too fond of the combine either way so i mean I'm yeah not... i know this this episode's probably a stretch to be completely honest with you like like, like we get it none, none of you are like totally tuning in for the combine like first and foremost like the events are going to change that much but it is like a good chance for us to like sort of start looking at the class at least we talked about the edge class i guess <laughs> that's true but nothing from you. All right. My my question's a stupid one. And uh what what's your favorite combine event to watch, Ryan? Yeah, we talk about quarterback one. It's sometimes fun to just rip, watch quarterbacks just rip the ball, the wide open guys. But I'm gonna go with the 40 yard dash. I mean, you really can't go wrong just watching guys just absolutely run as fast as they can. Like uh, I always enjoy it. It's easy to just like, oh, here's everyone in the class. And, and sometimes you'll see a guy you're like, oh, I've never heard of that guy. You start doing some research or whatever like that. Or you see a guy run a, a faster 40 than you expected, and you look up, oh, this guy produced too. You start diving into his film. So uh, 40 yard dash is a fast pace. Uh, obviously they're just kind of are weaving through guys they get two attempts so uh you can you can catch me watching the 40 yard dash but uh that's one of the few combine events that i would actually sit down for yeah and you you gotta love like the simulcast when they put like the fastest guys up against each yes. other and and like and especially when they're like when they're like okay guys we're gonna be funny here and throw in like an offensive lineman and like you just see like some like six seven like 300 pound behemoth get absolutely smoked by like one of these little cornerbacks or whatever it's like crazy but 
Yeah, the uh, NFL Four Network years. crew. I mean, the combine, the combine is so long and so repetitive that the NFL Network crew just gets so bored. So by the end of it, they're like, yeah, you know what, Julio Jones, you're racing like kickers. So here you go. Yeah, like here's Rich Eisen versus Tyree Kill. Like, yeah, let's see how literally. that goes. Let's give yeah. Rich Eisen like a 30-yard start and still watch him get beat. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, okay, that's good. Before we go, I wanted to bring this uh, to this podcast, Trey, and I I put this here. I left it vague for a reason because I'm going to explain it now. Content corner. End of every off-season episode, we're just going to divulge one piece of content and talk about it for half a second. Like, give yourself, tell us the piece of content you want to recommend and then give us like 30 to 45 seconds of why. And it can be another sports game. It can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a book. It can be a TV show. It can be just like doing an activity. It can be anything, but just not NFL related in the off season, which shouldn't be hard to do. So I'll let you go first. Ryan, what's your content corner going to be today? Well, for bringing this up i'm gonna shameless plug myself again here you know wow look at me just plugging myself but i i've shouted out roadie on the horn podcast on here uh my great friend donnie of course love chatting it up but i actually do another podcast as well that podcast is called front office you we interview and professionals in sports and learn about the careers their jobs so a little bit kind of different nature of podcast more so than chatting about what's going on on the field that one's more talking about what goes on on the business side away from the, the game so uh always enjoy doing that again that's front office you that podcast so i host that with four other of my friends that are into sports management so uh, we are all enjoying doing that our last podcast we interviewed a member of the atlanta hawks who works in their partnerships department getting the rappers the Atlantic community, which was super cool and fun to learn about. So um, definitely check that one out if uh, you are anyone you know is interested in, in you know, working in sports uh, as well as just kind of following it as a fan. So uh, you can check us out on Spotify. Again, that's front office you. Anything you're not involved in? <laughs> Good question, Eric. I don't know, man. But maybe by the end of the uh, by the end of the show, I'll check off every box there is left. See. Okay. Uh, Trey. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, in all honesty, I don't really listen to a whole bunch of podcasts. I won't allow you to kill this. I won't allow you to kill this segment. Okay. How anything. about you go first and you give me a couple more seconds to think about? All right. I'm going to go sports games because Eric likes sports. This is a well-known fact. Some great college basketball games coming up this week. Texas, Baylor. Monday night, I actually got have these bookmarked. I went through my sports app and like set up my whole schedule for the week. Let me just read you guys some absolutely excellent college basketball games that are coming up because I'm a sucker and I just love college basketball this kind of time of year. Monday, Baylor, Texas. Tuesday, you've got Arizona, USC. That's going to be a really late tip if you don't live on the West Coast. But Ryan, you're in California right now, I believe. That's going to be 8 p.m. your time. There's, there's no yeah. excuse why you're not watching Arizona USC. Just two really solid basketball teams with great offenses, kind of rare for college basketball. Purdue, Wisconsin, also that Tuesday night. Wednesday, I've got a 
hockey recommendation. The Blues, the Rangers, that should be a good game to watch. As well as in the NBA, Miami's taking on the Bucks. that game. I'm really locking into basketball right now for some reason. Like, I love hockey and all, and I'm doing my best to watch as much hockey as I can. But I'm not focusing it on it the way I'm focusing on basketball right now. Like, I'm super locked into basketball at the moment. I've got basketball on behind me. I'm excited to watch the rest of this Lucas-Steph matchup after this. And then Thursday, you've got great hockey games as well. Pittsburgh, Tampa, that's going to be a good one. But uh, Saturday's really the big day for college basketball these this time of year. Texas, Kansas, that's going to be a banger. Arkansas, Tennessee, that's going to be a banger. USC, UCLA. Those are three games, three separate time spots. Just do yourself a favor. Watch college basketball on Saturday. That's what what I'm what I'm going to say. Trey, what about you? What what do you got going on? It, it can be non-sports as well. And I refuse to let you kill this segment because no, I know I you'll be like, oh, I don't really know, Eric, but you like this is like the easiest segment we can do. Like, come on, let's 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 make it work. Okay, that's fair. Um, I guess sports-wise, for me, I guess my recommendation is to watch more uh, European football. I know uh, the La Liga race for top four is heating up now. Uh, my 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 team, my squad, Barcelona, is still holding on the fourth uh, as they try to get top four and get Champions League spot. Uh, Premier League, the Manchester Derby is this upcoming weekend um on sunday i believe what's what's sunday march 6th i believe forgive me if i get that wrong but manchester derby uh manchester united manchester city um usually it's you know one team being bad one team being good in these matchups in this case it's manchester city being real good and manchester united well maybe not being bad but being extremely underwhelming in comparison to Manchester City. So if you do have some time, maybe sit down on Sunday. It's, I, think, I believe the match is at a reasonable time as well. Sit down and watch a Manchester Derby. Get yourself involved with that. It should be fun. Um, aside from that, though, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really all that involved in anything content-related at this time. Um, well, actually, well, there's one more thing I would like to shout out. Uh, the Kanye West documentary, that's one thing that's actually kind of fun. Regardless of your opinion about Kanye West, the documentary about him is actually, you know, really excellent and really fun to watch. So uh, that's one thing I believe people should be watching. And maybe the Neymar documentary as well. That Neymar documentary documented his beginnings, you know, as a football player in Brazil, coming over to Barcelona, going over to PSG. You know, his career has been a roller coaster. Uh, If you're um, even a basic average uh, European football fan, then obviously you've heard of Neymar and you've you know, known of his, you know, his moves throughout his career. So uh, that's, that's a one thing you should probably be looking out for. But other than that, um, I don't really have too many recommendations and the recommendations that I do have for things that probably aren't all that interested in people would take up, like, I guess you say 30 minutes and we don't have that time. So, uh, but those are the three things I would probably recommend in terms of content. And uh, I hope you enjoy watching them if you do decide to indulge in them. So. Yeah, let us know on Twitter if you check out any of our content recommendations. Should be good. Ryan, anything now that the show's over and you've had some time to stall? No, it's been a fun one. Always a pleasure chatting with you guys. I am the biggest draft nerd ever. So anytime about all smiles for me. I'm uh, just chugging along, still working hockey games. The uh, the hockey team I'm working for right now in California just made the playoffs. 
So oh, yeah. we're super stoked about that. So awesome. we've got some games next weekend. So yeah, we're, uh, we finished the season pretty hot. We won six of the last seven to, uh, to get in. So, uh, everybody's been, been going good, uh, over here. So hopefully we can keep things going and, uh, keep rolling as, uh, we get closer to draft season, uh, and as the, uh, hockey season comes to an end here soon. Oh yeah. Thanks Ryan. Really appreciate your time. Always a good time catching up with you. We will be back um, at some point. We'll tweet out when we're going to be back. I have to write like eight papers in the span of three weeks, so I might need some time off this week. And I got to file my taxes. That's always fun. Um, so we'll be we'll be back before free agency starts. We'll promise you that much. Before free agency starts, we will be back. And then week of free agency is going to come up in like two or three weeks, right? So we'll do... Uh, Probably two, three shows on that week might be shorter shows, but we'll do two, three shows giving our instant reactions to big free agent signings, trades, stuff like that. So check that out. It'll be cool. It'll be fun. Trey, thanks for joining me as always. Appreciate you, buddy. And Ryan, thanks so much for the ride. All right, boys, we will see you around the corner. Peace out.